This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, New York City. And I want to get into a a few things today. I want to talk about what's going on with the music industry. I'm going to talk about a school board that's getting sued by a state. You don't want to miss that. And yes, cocaine was found in the White House. All sorts of rumors are swirling around. We're going to get to that. But I want to double back and start with this uh, situation in New Jersey. Now, um, here we are a week into July. It's summer. It's been really hot. I read an article in Newsmax that said that this is the hottest it's ever been ever, and they attributed it to global um, warming, climate change, uh, saying that that's uh, created by humans and fossil fuels and my gas-guzzling SUV. I don't know if I agree with it yet, but... um, Who knows? Maybe one day um, it'll get through my thick skull. Until then, I will continue to guzzle the gas. But I want to talk about New Jersey. Not because uh, I'm from New Jersey, originally from Brooklyn, but in New Jersey now, but because this is an interesting situation. It seems to me that the governor of New Jersey is borrowing a play from the playbook of America's education governor, and I say that in parenthetical, in uh, air quotes, Joel Baboso Biden, who uh, Dr. Jill Biden recently said he was the education president, which I think is a horrible look for him because the national report card says that we're doing worse than we've ever done. And all of that happened on Joe Biden's watch. So I wouldn't want to take credit for that, but apparently Joe Biden and Dr. Jill Biden are. But anyway, that being said, uh, there's three districts in New Jersey that are being sued by the state of New Jersey. In my opinion, this is the iron fist of power, raw power wrapped inside the glove of government. And they're exercising that power going after parents. I want you to listen to this report from Newsmax TV. Well, the state of New Jersey is suing three school districts which have policies in place. They would require teachers to tell parents if a student comes out as transgender or changes preferred pronouns. The state had sued a district last month for passing a similar measure, and the district's being sued this time around Marlboro, Middletown, and Manilapan Public Schools. Well, parents in the state, as you can imagine, not taking this lightly, even calling out the governor, Phil Murphy, threatening to take on state leadership. So today we have Katerina Skolaski and Anne-Marie Lasquinas, both concerned mothers in the Middletown school system, which we are speaking about. We appreciate both of you coming on. I understand that your school district held a meeting, which we covered, that led to major protests, more than 350 people who are against this policy. Um, Katerina, can I start with you? Can you kind of explain to the viewers that, uh, again, outside of New Jersey that may not understand what exactly happened? Can you explain what happened here? Well, uh, basically, the the governor is taking away our parental rights to protect our children and to keep them safe. Wow. And there have been people who say, no, we don't want that. We're concerned that you might be outing 
these transgender students. When you think about, you know, teachers raise concerns about students' test scores or they're falling behind in maybe their math class. They reach out to parents. But no, apparently this time around, uh, the attorney general would want to keep that information private if a student were to go by a different name. The state AG's office releasing a statement saying in part, here's the reason, by the way, that they offer. The New Jersey law against discrimination flatly prohibits discrimination on the basis of gender identity or expression. And we are firmly committed to taking swift action in response to any policy that violates that prohibition. Anne-Marie, what would you like to say to the state's attorney general and the governor of New Jersey who take issue with this policy of notification? It's not discrimination. It's it's parental rights. It's, I have to sign a permission slip regardless of what happens in school, whether it be a a field trip, whether it be to receive medicine from the nurse, to a syllabus, to agree to something that my children or a book my children are reading in school. This is not discrimination. This is this is parental notification. And she's 100 percent right. Right. These moms should be applauded for what they're saying, because this is the bottom line. Your children are your children. This is literally a lawsuit from the state, right? The attorney general at the direction of the governor is going after the school board. Now, the school board's made up of who? Are teachers on the school board? Are administrators on the school board? No. If you've ever seen a school board, it's members of the community, i.e. parents. Typically, it's parents from the community. So this is a lawsuit against the parents, against the community, against we the people. This is a big deal because what you see happen in New Jersey will happen in California, will happen in Chicago, and will start to happen in every state in this country if we don't put a stop to it. Americans must wake up to the fact that they're weaponizing government against the people. This is a serious thing. Imagine that. Let's just say, God forbid, your child decides to transition to the opposite sex and says, you know what, I'm going to tell my teacher, I'm going to tell all my friends at school, but my parents don't have any right to know. But if I need to go to a bathroom um, that is on a school trip, I have to sign a permission slip for my child to go on that school trip and use that bathroom elsewhere that isn't the school. Isn't that interesting, right? For absolutely anything that your kid is going to do, they need permission from the parents. Why? Because that's how the law works, right? You're responsible for your children when they're minors except in this area that they're trying to make a carve out. It doesn't work that way. Just like we saw a federal court weigh in and say, no, you don't have First Amendment rights sometimes. And when the federal government wants to work with big tech companies like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram to stifle speech and make sure that only one side of a story gets out, that's not okay, right? That's literally squelching the First Amendment. And that's not something that we do. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, perhaps. Uh, but that was a b- big story this week where a federal judge said that this was Orwellian and that this was an abuse of the First Amendment. And I agree 100 percent. But what we're seeing now is an abuse of parental rights. This is just natural law, the, the freedom, one's child. Right. I mean, think of something that is more personal to you than than your own child. Imagine a mother who's birthed an infant and not having any type of say when it comes to bringing your kid to a public school. Again, a school that is there to serve your interests, not its own, because it's a government of the people, for the people and by the people, not a government of the, the government, not a government of bureaucrats, not a government of elites. Although 
we've gotten to that place. So the problem here is that the government in New Jersey, Governor Phil Murphy, the attorney general that works in his administration, are going after these three school districts uh, under the guise that this is not just them using the uh, raw power that they wield, the iron fist of their raw power wrapped inside the glove of government. No, they're saying this is uh, some sort of discrimination that by doing that, you're outing these people and by outing them that this is somehow a form of discrimination. But the problem is they're not being discriminated against. As one of the moms pointed out, they're not being denied their education. They're not being denied anything at all other than privacy that's not due to them because they're not adults. They're minors. It's the parents that have the rights. And, and God help us if we give up those rights. Imagine not having rights. There was recently legislation in California where they were saying if your kid wants to transition but they feel like you're, you're, the parent might not be on board, they could go ahead and say they're having a, a tough day. And they, they proposed this as legislation, uh, statewide legislation in the California Assembly, to allow these kids to tell their teacher, I don't want to go home today. And for what a state would normally do, with the police powers granted to a state to say, you know what, we're going to remove a child from the home because of abuse or neglect. Using that power, they were going to allow children to not go home because they didn't feel safe. It wasn't a safe space. Absolute insanity that a eight-year-old or nine-year-old kid is going to tell their teacher, oh, you know what, I don't know. I feel very conflicted today. I don't want to go home to my mom or dad. And I'm not talking about cases of abuse or neglect. I'm talking about they don't want to talk about how they're transitioning or how they identify as the opposite sex, or whatever issue they're having with their parents. This is absolutely out of control. I mean, am I the only one that thinks it's crazy? I'd love to know your thoughts. Let me know, at Rich Valdez with an S, on all of the social media, at Rich Valdez. But uh, these cities in New Jersey, again, these towns, Marlboro, Middletown, Manalapan, these public school districts uh, passed measures on Tuesday of this week where the parents were just livid about not knowing if children wanted to transition in Middletown alone. And I've got some extended family that live in Middletown. There were 350 people there saying that they didn't uh, agree with the state's lawsuit. So, I mean, there, it's definitely a very, very contentious uh, issue. Anyway, bottom line here is this is something everybody needs to be aware of. Because as we gather around America's kitchen table here and talk about the issues that matter to all of us here on This Is America with me, Rich Valdez, it's so important that we know what's going on, where it's going on, how it's going on, and what we can do to stop it. And that's what I'm trying to inform you on and making sure that you're up to speed with what's happening at your school board. Because if you're not, you're going to get left behind. Anyway. We're going to continue our conversation with what's going on in the music industry. Uh, Ice Cube, you know him from uh, all the different movies he's done. Uh, he's a rapper. He's an actor. And he's saying that there is massive influence coming through entertainment media, uh, Hollywood, television, all that. And again, we all knew that. But he breaks it down in a way that I think few have heard and really um, pay much attention to. And I think it's worth listening to. So don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. Oh, he's so handsome. What's his name? Rich Valdez. 
All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Give me a follow. Let me know what you think of the show and share it with a friend. Now, the rapper Ice Cube, he says that the record industry uses social engineering in rap music to encourage criminality and to control society. This is pretty interesting. He said this in a podcast interview that he did. Listen to this. Who benefits and profits off our bickering and our division? Who? It's like follow the money. Same people who own the labels own the prisons. So... Literally the same people? Literally the same people. It it seems really kind of suspicious, if you want to say that word, that, you know, the records that come out are really geared to push people towards that prison industry. But they didn't make you write those lyrics. It's not about making... It's not about making somebody write the lyrics. It's about um, being there as guardrails to make sure certain songs make it through and certain songs don't. This to me is in somewhat, uh, uh, you know, some social engineering going on here. So there you go. You've got the rapper Ice Cube, also known by his government name, O'Shea Jackson. Uh, He was one of the members of NWA, which stands for N-Words with Attitudes, uh, a rap group that pioneered gangsta rap with um, Ice-T and others back in the days. They had songs like F the Police back in 1988. And I remember these songs. And all I could tell you is people say, you know, how could you listen to music like that? And I'll tell you, look, I love rap music. I love hip hop. It's a very conscious music. Uh, Unlike other music, these guys were talking about what bothered them in society. Now, whether they were on the right side of the issue or the wrong side of the issue, to me, is not as relevant as the fact that they were speaking up about things that they believed were important. They were this is, again, art imitating life. This is the life that they knew and that they understood. So they got up every day and they lived their lives and felt that the police were coming after them. And because of their skin color, because this is what they were being fed. And honestly, this is what many of them experienced as a reality of life. And you know, years later, we saw this with um, Reginald Denny in the Rodney King case. It wasn't necessarily untrue. Uh, however, I think we've made a lot of progress. And I'm a huge supporter of, of law enforcement, of the police in general. I actually went to a police academy, served as a reserve member of the police department in Nutley, New Jersey with their auxiliary unit. And uh, I, I can tell you that um, it, it's, it's a wonderful experience. But my bottom line here is I'm not going to be mad at somebody for taking exception to something or for disagreeing with me. Anybody who's listened to my show for long enough knows that I'm happy to have a conversation about anything. Uh, and anybody who disagrees with me, as long as we can have it you know, somewhat agreeably. And if you don't want to be agreeable, that's fine too. We can, you know, we can duke it out. But the, what I'm saying is that is their experience. And I don't think I should limit anybody's experience. We have a choice. Right, whether we listen to music or don't listen to music, and what Ice Cube's talking about here uh, on the um, Club Random podcast with Bill Maher, that was a clip from it. What he's talking about is how the woke ideology in everyday conversation is being personified in music in many ways. Now, Maher observed, uh, and this is according to a piece in Fox News, that there are mean girls. And that mentality is where people are looking to fault people for not using updated racial terms like Latinx, even though there's not a Hispanic out there. There aren't Latinos that use this term. I've never met a single one that wants to be called Latinx. 
This is crazy. Now, again, you get a couple that joined the bandwagon. I want to use this term that was created by some white liberals somewhere. And again, uh, I'm not a racist, but, you know, it was a term created by white liberals. It's not something that, can, you know, some Hispanic professor came up with and said, we're going to use Latinx to be all inclusive, a language that is literally differentiated by masculine and feminine. Right. You, you say I went to the store. And uh, depending on who you're talking to and how you're going to phrase the sentence, you're going to use a, a masculine or feminine uh, pronoun. If you say I went with him or I went with her. Uh, my point is uh, this is a language that you can't um, gender neutralize. Right. It's just impossible. So to say Latinx is, is silly because it's either Latino or Latina. There is no other. There's no in between. They're trying to make it in between, but it doesn't exist. Anyway, Ice Cube uh, is talking about how it's weird how the names are always changing every 20 or 30 years and somebody wants to put a new label on something. Uh, but suggesting that these petty debates are focused uh, on society in order to divide people and to prevent them from questioning the problems that they should all really unite to address. You know, whether it was politics or anything else. He goes on, here's a quote. It's done just to really keep us bickering and chasing the words so that we're really not getting to the root of the issue, which is really what we should be doing. Instead, we, uh, you know, waste time. Uh, Ice Cube continued saying, you know, really, who benefits from, from all of this and profits from the bickering and division? And he was saying, follow the money. And uh, ultimately, he says that it, it goes to uh, the record company, the record labels, which the same people who are investors in record labels, according to Ice Cube, are the same people that own stock and founded many private prisons that have contracts with federal government, county governments to run overflow for prisons. Isn't that interesting, right? He says here, same people who own the record labels own the prisons, noting that it seems really kind of suspicious if you want to say that word, that records that come out are really geared to push people towards the prison industry. I think that's a, you know, I've heard this before, but I've always heard it in the terms of a, the school to prison pipeline, which I've never really believed to be a thing unless you're in a failing district. Then it makes all the sense in the world uh, where, yeah, that's your next step. If you don't do well educationally, how many options do you have? Not many. I think it's 80 percent incarceration rate if if you don't do well academically, uh, especially for those that are coming out of uh, the foster care system or something like that. So anyway. Uh, it's an interesting conversation that they had here and Ice Cube uh, really alluding to the fact that the record labels and industry here contribute to that. But I look at this as a overall bigger picture and how there's an establishment media and everybody has an agenda that they're pushing. Everybody's selling something, whether it's sex, whether it's drugs, rock and roll, whatever. There, there's an agenda and we're seeing it play out right in front of us. And it's fascinating when you could see how it's monetized, right? When it, it, if you glorify the, the life that you see, this art imitating life again, you get somebody from the streets to rap about their experiences in the streets. And again, this is poetry put to music, right? Rap music. Many don't realize that hip hop or rap is, is designed that way, but it's, it's rhyme and it's a, it's a 16 beat uh, type of thing typically. Um, rhythm. And it's just, to me, it's, it's, it's a, a, a fascinating art form, but all that being said, it is interesting to me. And I'll do a little bit of a deep dive on it on my own time and get back to you. What, what I find 
if the people that are promoting music from the street of what really happens on the street of people's personal stories, you know, drugs, shootings, etc. If they're the same people that are profiting from private prison contracts with county governments and federal governments and whatnot, state governments, then I would say there's a real conflict of interest there, right? Um, it, it, or it conflicts with the people. It's in their own interest to make sure that they continue to feed that, that population of people that will end up in jail. So I don't know the, the answer to this at the end of the day, but I do know fascinating to hear from an OG original gangster like ice cube um, saying that this is uh, his take on it when he's been in the game for as long as he's been in. Now, over the years, I've become friendly with a number of uh, rap artists, hip-hop artists, especially from like the 1990s era. That's my favorite era of hip-hop. And Ice-T, not Ice Cube, not to be confused with him. He's also a rapper and an actor. You've seen him on Law & Order and, you know, I don't know, a hundred different films. Uh, his wife, Coco Austin, put a July 4th photo up where she was wearing a bikini, uh, like a thong bikini and a short cut-off red shirt holding an American flag. And... He um, he fired back at some critics that were slamming her, saying the the photo was too racy. And again, this is a pinup model, right? Coco is a pinup model, and I've, I've they're acquaintances of mine. I've had them at several events that I've hosted. Uh, good people. I'm friendly with his manager, Mickey Benson, and I can tell you that um, I don't think they're very um, uh, provocative people. They're just in show business. But uh, Ice T's making it clear that he's not going to tolerate the negative comments about his wife when it comes to social media. She, uh, she took to Instagram on Tuesday to celebrate the 4th of July in photos, uh, who's 44 years old, so she's a year younger than me, uh, posing in a white G-string bottom with a tiny red uh, cut-off top that said Arizona. And she um, had two American flags. Happy 4th of July is how she captioned the photo, putting, I'm celebrating in Arizona. She's originally from Arizona. And she said, yes, it gets hot out here. <laughs> Which is funny when you got, you know, um, your, your, your butt hanging out with a G string on. And again, I'm not opposed to this, by the way, <laughs> uh, just an editorial note. She, she's a, a model and, uh, the picture is, you know, I mean, some may find it offensive, but it seems by today's standards to be pretty standard. Anyway, people were criticized. They're saying she's a mom. Do you want your daughter to dress like that? Blah, blah, blah. Just blows my mind that you're okay with seeing your child, seeing her mom dressed this way, blah, blah, blah. Other uh, users on social media got into different uh, tit for tat with her uh, celebrating what she's saying. Uh, but he started commenting back at some of the people when one user asked Coco how she would feel if her daughter saw these pictures. Ice-T replied, go do some sit-ups, B-word, LOL. <laughs> I love his attitude. He's funny. And you know what? Uh, look, uh, whether I would respond that way or you would respond that way, I think we have to have an appreciation for people that are standing up for themselves and doing what they want to do. If you don't like it, you can say you don't like it or you can look the other way and don't have to comment at it. You don't have to follow her on Twitter or Instagram or any of those things. And this is why I love free speech. People let me say what I've got to say and I let people say what they've got to say. You know, I look at the comments on my Twitter, a lot of hate haters every now and again. I laugh at a few. I ignore the rest and we keep it moving. That's what we do. Anyway, um, we're going to continue with uh, the military's recruitment crisis, how um, putting a major who was a biological male and his name is Rachel now, 
putting this major on the cover of the Army's recruitment page probably isn't the best idea if you're looking for a very tough guy to join the military. But the question is, is that what we're looking for now? Are we looking for a tough guy? Are you even allowed to say we're looking for a tough guy? We're looking for a few good men? Or can we not even use the word men anymore? Who knows? Anyway, we're going to talk about that. And also, we're going to get to the bottom of what's up with the cocaine in the White House. So don't miss it. It's the first week of July. I uh, took a week off because I had bronchitis and we were uh, celebrating Fourth of July ourselves. But I'm back and we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. The 45th president, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. So the United States military is facing a recruitment crisis. Nothing you haven't heard before. That's been going on for a while. But... The Army's now utilizing a different kind of boot camp to pump up their recruiting numbers. And this isn't good. They're letting guys that look like me, a little rotund, a little chubby, you know, a little bit thick in the middle. Um, These recruits are up before dawn at Fort Jackson, an Army base in South Carolina. But it's not your father's boot camp, right? This is according to CBS News. These instructors here act more like personal trainers than drill sergeants. Army Staff Sergeant Ben Thomas says it's intentional saying, quote, yes, we're treating them a little differently, he told CBS News. We also want to instill some of the discipline in them, but not necessarily by yelling or screaming at them. That's because this is prep camp for young men and women who want to join the Army but can't meet the body fat limits. They came here to lose weight and qualify for the real boot camp. So now boot camp has a pre-boot camp because you're a little gordito or a little gordita, a little, you know, uh, a a little uh, thick in the middle. So it's not the uh, break them down, build them up approach, said Lieutenant Colonel Dan Hayes, who runs the camp. We're meeting them halfway to help them achieve the standard, to give them the opportunity to serve alongside of us, he said. The Army started the camp last fall because of a drastic 25% shortage in recruits in 2022, due in part to the fact that most young people do not meet the basic physical, and mental qualifications to serve. In fact, there was a story in Fox News and in milita- on military.com that said 77% of youth today don't meet the standard to join the United States military. That is cray-cray, right? In the words of Kanye West, absolute insanity. I can't believe that that's happening, but that's exactly what's this, uh, the, the problem. That's the story. So I, I'm bewildered by this. I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad that the military's forward thinking and trying to get these guys to the point where they can end up in boot camp. But this is a, in my opinion, a big national security issue because as our enemies uh, like China and, and Russia and the rest of them, but mainly China, they know about this. And I wouldn't be surprised if they had something to do with it, right? I wouldn't be surprised if China was paying off politicians to lobby to make sure that there was more trans fat, to make sure there was more, you know, unhealthy items in our diets that somehow got into like public school menus and things like that to make sure that we had a sugar addicted society that was eventually destined for type two diabetes that could never serve in the military to destroy the John Wayne world war two greatest generation type of men that this country once produced. 
Wouldn't surprise me in the least because we know that China does this thing called unrestricted warfare where they do anything and everything to win. So I just find it um, very uh, unfortunate that this is the case, right? I mean, sadly, this is the case. And we, we've just got to deal with it, right? We have to figure out how to get around it. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin was visiting um, one of the bases and uh, celebrating some new recruits. And it, 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 in the face of a new Pentagon study where, like I said, 77% of America's youth are not eligible to serve. A recent Wall Street Journal article outlined, this is a cover story, outlined another alarming trend The children of military families who typically make up 80% of U.S. Army recruits are telling their children not to serve, especially those from the South. So you're talking about people that have served generations in the military are saying, it's not for you anymore. This military has changed. And that's because so much uh, of the wokeness has made its way into the military. Now, it's still a, uh, a big thing, right? If you look at who's serving in the military, most of them have family members that have served in the past. But that number is starting to dwindle and dwindle by a lot. And I think it's because of their approach. They're using, you know, Major Rachel Jones, a transgender soldier to um, to recruit people. Now, listen, I don't think anybody's ever said I'm going to join the military to become a transgender individual. Now, I think it's important to note that transgenderism, if that's a word. Starts with gender dysmorphia. A mental illness where you feel like you're trapped inside the wrong body. And that's not me saying that. That's the Diagnostical um, Statistical Manual, the DSM-5, DSM-4. I think both of them list it as mental illness. So when you have a situation like that, how do you put that person as the poster child of he who's here or she who's here, they who are here, to defend America? Clearly. People can be transgender all they want, but we can't do it on the public dime. We can't have people joining the military just to transition because that's not what the military's for. And I think this is a huge problem. And I think Trump addressed it really well while he was president saying, we're not doing this anymore. We're not funding it anymore. We're not allowing it anymore. It's over. Ya basta final. But President Biden brought it back in. And again, I'll tweet this story out. I'm at Rich Valdez with an S on all of the social media. So you could see uh, Major Rachel Jones. But again, this this is a, a man with a, a receding hairline. And uh, whether he thinks he's a woman or not, this man is clearly a man. And this is the problem. Shame on you, me, and anybody else that allows this person to believe that he's something that he's not. I think it's wrong. We shouldn't allow people to think that they can identify as anything they want because they're ill. And it's It's eventually hurting all of us. You can see people aren't joining the military anymore because they're using this as a recruiting strategy. This isn't working. We need to do better. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. Uh, A little bit of conversation on cocaine in the White House. And my final thoughts, don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. 
This is America with Rich Valdez. So over the weekend, we heard that there was a suspicious substance found in the White House, white powder. Then they said, we don't know what it is. We're going to call the Secret Service. We're going to get hazmat team to come and check it out. Maybe it's anthrax. Maybe it's something else. It's biological warfare. Who knows what it is? They had to shut things down for a little while, but they got to the bottom of it. The United States Secret Service has now confirmed that it is, in fact, cocaine that was found inside the White House. Now, to me, the big question is not who brought it and how did it get here. The big question is who told the media? How did this get out? Let me tell you something. If you had a family party in your house, Thanksgiving dinner, let's say, and all of a sudden you're you know, cleaning up after people leave and you find a bag of cocaine, is somebody going to go right on Facebook and say, hey, look, at family dinner tonight, we found a bag of cocaine. No, I don't think anybody's doing that. People are going to brush this under the rug. But that's not what happened here. This quickly went to the media. It, it, before it was even confirmed, it was making its rounds on the media. And by Tuesday of this week, boom, everybody knew that cocaine was it, or by Wednesday. And I've got to say, this is a primary season, right? This is not a general election. So right now, Trump is not Biden's adversary. It's those that are running against Biden that are Biden's adversaries. So who would want to make Biden look bad that has something to gain in a primary? Maybe one of his primary opponents. What do I know? I know it's not Trump. Trump's not anywhere near the White House. None of Trump's people are near the White House. And Trump doesn't really, uh, I mean, I guess in the long run, he has something to gain by this. But ultimately, it's another Democrat, maybe Kamala Harris, maybe somebody from RFK's group. Anybody who doesn't like Biden and wants to get rid of him, I could see putting this story into the media. Now, some are suggesting that this is Hunter Biden's um, Kaylee McEnany, former White House press secretary who's uh, parted ways and parted company with Trump, says absolutely not. Uh, this there's no way that this was Hunter Biden's based on her experience working in the White House. Then um, my, my friend Dan Bongino, who's a former Secret Service agent, he says that, yes, absolutely. This had to be someone from the Biden family that brought it into the White House because there's no other way. He says there's zero chance that this was brought in by somebody other than the Biden family. Again, he is a former Secret Service agent assigned to the presidential detail and um, was explaining how security protocols differ for members of the president's family. Quote from Mangino, there's absolutely zero chance anyone other than a family member brought that cocaine inside the White House complex, he said on Twitter. No chance that would make it past the security checkpoints. Families bypass those family members. Others noted that the changing story about where the substance was found is also suspicious. According to the New York Post, the initial dispatch call stated that the white powdery substance was found in the residence's library on the ground floor of the building. However, officials familiar with the incident, people that are leaking, told the New York Post that the alleged cocaine was found in a holding area in the West Wing that's accessible to both White House staff and guests. The report continued uh, that Washington, D.C. fire officials and EMS did not respond to any requests to clarify the discrepancy of those reports. So uh, a lot of back and forth on this. Again, I again to me, the big overarching question here is not um, where was it? What room was it in? Was it in the oval of the library or the residence or some holding area where you keep cell phones? 
to me, the, the real big issue here is which Democrat leaked this to the media and who's coming after Biden? That is telling to see what's happening in an election year. Uh, Sebastian Gorka on Twitter saying, I was deputy to the president. This is a lie. The library of the residence is not a well-traveled area. They're still covering up for Hunter Biden's cocaine habit. Now, again, he's making that two and two um, equation. I can't go there just yet. I mean, that was initially my my gut reaction. But Corrine Jean-Pierre set me straight saying, well, um, 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 we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. But anyway, you listen to Corrine Jean-Pierre. Check this out. If the cocaine episode has prompted the White House to ask the Secret Service to review its security protocol. For I mean, visitors coming in. So let's go. Let them do their investigation. Again, this is under their purview. Let's see exactly what occurred and what happened. They're get, going to get to the bottom of this. They meaning the Secret Service. Not going to get ahead of, of any changes in protocol or anything like that. Let's let the Secret Service do their job, which we believe and have all the confidence that they will get to the bottom of you know, Karine Jean-Pierre says that so authoritatively as if Miss Zhang, the reporter asking the question there, is somehow suggesting that by asking questions as a member of the media, that she's somehow preventing the Secret Service from doing their job. How about you do your job, Mrs. Jean-Pierre or Ms. Jean-Pierre, I should say, uh, because asking questions and you answering them is literally your job and saying something that I think of substance. Uh, I think it's important to always remind people that you take their concerns seriously. I don't understand why the White House press secretary couldn't say, you know what, Ms. Zhang, we take these things very seriously. The president takes this very seriously, and we have full confidence in the Secret Service to get to the bottom of this. As soon as we have an update, we'll provide you with one. Now you're on the up and up. You've said the right words, and it doesn't seem like you're running away and obfuscating from this. But that's not KJP style, right? She wants to make it look like, look, look, nothing happened here. Ain't nothing to see here, folks. There's nothing to see here. And that's Biden overall. Oh, come on, man. No, it's nothing, man. Everything is downplayed. You know, like my dad would say, no, I saw no idea. That's nothing. That's no the big deal. That's silly. No, it's not silly. It's cocaine in the White House. Now, I'm pretty sure there have been plenty of ragers at different points in, in White House history um, and different presidents that have done different things. It wouldn't surprise me in the least. But it didn't hit the news. This hit the news. So now you've got to come clean, right? You've got to you pull out all the stops to make sure that people continue to have faith in government. Instead of saying, you know what? If you continue to play these games and not answer questions, I'm not going to believe in you anymore. And the less belief or faith that I have in my government, the less faith and belief I'm going to have in the party in power, the Democrat Party, the president that's in power, Joe El Baboso Biden. And once that happens, that's when we have a real problem. Because it doesn't just mean that Republicans have a better chance to win, but it means that the, the values and the faith and the trust that people have in our country are eroding. And that's been happening for a while, and this is only going to make it worse. And that's why they need to tread lightly and answer these questions truthfully and be upfront and let people know they take these concerns seriously. Anyway, that's all I've got for you today. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you share this with a friend. Send it via text. Send it through an inbox. Send it through Messenger. However you want to send it, make sure you send it to somebody so they can listen to it. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast and listen to the radio show. Rich Valdez, AmericaAtNight.com is the website. If you can't hear us on your local station, we're on hundreds of stations across the country, live at 10 o'clock 
Eastern Time till 1 o'clock in the morning every day, Monday through Friday, with various guests and newsmakers having a, a discussion on everything that happened during the day and everything that matters. So uh, I hope you tune into the daily radio show. But if you're just tuning in for the weekly podcast, I hope you'll tune in and again subscribe and share it with your friends. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, I leave you with what I always leave you with. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. That's why it's so important for you to stand for something. Because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.